0: Just go to Indeed.com slash wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: Hi, I'm Andy Herman of the Packet 8 Podcast. I'm here to tell you about TickPick. TickPick should be your very first choice to buy football tickets because they save fans money by never charging any service fees ever. TickPick is the exclusive ticketing partner for the Pack-A-Day podcast and the Blue Wire Network. 20 minutes a day, 365
2: days a year. This is the Pack-A-Day podcast. Welcome in everyone to another edition of the pack A Podcast. Thanks for joining us again today. My name is Dan Kotnick, and I'm joined by my two usual co-hosts. A rare moment where we all three get to be together, because uh, it seems like the like football gods are against us, where we always end up running like in a tandem between you know two out of the three of us. But finally, all back together. It's myself. It's Eli Berkovitz and it's Janelle McAvee. Guys, how are you doing after? a very stressful loss to the vikings on sunday have you recovered from it have you had to vent today i felt like there was a lot of that on twitter and social media today some venting a little bit of uh like just getting some of the rage off of your off of your chest how did you guys handle it on sunday
3: uh i put my phone down and i i honestly after the game i don't think i went on twitter like the rest of the day i just <laughs> I couldn't handle it.
2: You have a healthy mental state. Okay. I was like,
3: you know what? I just need to take care of my mentals here. (laughs) Stay off Twitter. There's so much going on. I went and just kind of tried to enjoy the rest of my Sunday. It was a noon game, so it was a long Sunday of pain. But, uh, you know, I'm here in enemy territory. I was honestly, honestly expecting the worst going into work. But with it being, you know, a mid season game, Vikings fans have already kind of settled into their we're a 500 team we're kind of you know they were kind of more uh astonished that they were able to come out with this win and some of them were like you know what I was waiting for the Vikings to screw it up that entire time so for us to get that win is a miracle and you know it I was honestly expecting much more harassment but people were surprisingly nice today and I think that's because you know it it was a really good game, back and forth. Uh, just kind of one of those good rivalry games, but I came out on the losing end, and I am not happy. I need uh, I needed my bragging rights to be renewed, and they haven't been. So I do have some messages that came through yesterday that I still refuse to open. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. We'll see. We'll yeah. see how long it takes Leave me to actually respond. Like, it, it's to the point you know my my ex boyfriend's like stepmom will text me. And oh, like, people will people come out of the woodworks to talk about Packers Vikings. So, I mean, we're on good terms, but I'm just like, please, like it's too soon. It was like 20 minutes after the game. I was like, I don't want to talk to anybody about it. I just want to <laughs> go do my own thing. I just need to recover. But short work week, you know, it's Thanksgiving. There's a lot to kind of look forward to. And I think that helps a little bit, but I think we all know that there's a bigger loss that came out of yesterday than the score of the, yeah.
2: of the game yeah big time Eli what about you
4: um it was it was it was pretty rough I mean I, I had this I did not have the best feeling going into it I just think the Vikings in general like no matter what their record we all know it's never going to be just a w- easy walk away kind of win and especially in Minnesota so I didn't have the greatest feeling and then the way things started. Obviously, the first play of the game, you're like, okay, the offense, you know, makes a big play. And then next thing you know, we're kicking a field goal because it just seems like we cannot we cannot get out of our own way in the red zone slash opponent's territory, whether it's because of penalties or just missed opportunities. And I think a lot of the first half, you know, was like that in terms of just mm-hmm. some missed throws by Rodgers, some bad penalties, and but as the game, you know, got deeper in, like I always I, I try to be positive, but I also I'm always on the side of don't ever like really let yourself relax and be OK until they're just zeros on the clock. Because we all know the NFL is insane. And it was uh, it just it's one thing to lose when you lose and you feel like you really, really should have won, like even with the the way the game started and losing and being down by 13, I think at two different times in the game and coming back from it, but yet it was still kind of like the Packers game to lose between the penalties that happened, the dropped interceptions that happened, the missed field goal, and some missed throws by Rodgers. And just, I think, Lafleur's game plan, at least for the first half, was not what I was expecting. AJ Dillon getting seven first half carries doesn't make much sense to me. His overall usage didn't make much sense to me. I thought he could have touched the ball at least 20, 20 times yesterday, but it's just it hurts more. It hurts more to lose to the Vikings, and it definitely mm-hmm. hurts to lose like that when when you go and you see Darnell Savage go up for look. It's it's never easy, but you're not going to have as a safety, I mean, much of an easier interception. It was a lofted up ball. He had plenty of time to read it, react, jump and catch it. And it's just about getting to the, getting to the ground and keeping possession and the way he caught it. And I was saying before the show and just real quick, just Mm -hmm. if you watch the slow-mo replay, he's holding Mm -hmm. the ball out away from his body. Like, Everyone knows you catch the ball with your hands and you bring it into your chest as soon as you physically can and you hold on to that ball, and he just held it out like it was nothing. And that's the only reason it popped out when he hit the ground. So it's just like small mental errors at, that that cost us the game. Obviously, the field goal being a big one of them. And it's just it's never fun to lose in any way, and getting beat bad is no fun, but losing a game that you think you should have won is, it's just, it's, it's a little bit tougher.
2: Yeah, I, I think it, you guys made some good points with that. It, it was just tough all around. I, I had to watch, so due to circumstances, I had to, well, I listened to the first half of the game on the radio. Uh I was driving home from up north in Michigan, and there's a swath of, there's a swath of road that we take on the back roads, where we don't have internet access anymore. And so I had to go into like a media, it was a forced media blackout, basically from like the start of the second quarter till about like five minutes left in the second quarter. And so we, so we went in down 10 to three or nine to three. And then it was, and then coming out of it, it was 16 to three. And I'm like, you know, when we were when we lost connection, we were driving and I, it kind of felt like things were going pretty good. And it just, again, like all like just so many missed opportunities. And I, you know, I, I I talked about this on the pregame show for pack a day on the YouTube side of things is I feel like a lot of Packer fans went into this game with, with a weird sense of confidence uh, over this Vikings team. And, To me, like, I was really worried coming into into that game because we didn't do so hot against the Seahawks at home. And the Vikings are essentially just a better version of the Seahawks. And now we have to play them on the road. And also, oh, yeah, they're a divisional opponent, so it means a little bit more to them. They're playing a little bit harder. And... I said, that like, you cannot come out flat. This offense cannot come out flat again. You will not like you. It's you will not be able to overcome it. And it, it would just. And, and what do they do? They come out and they play flat again. They, they they take they take a quarter and a half to get into rhythm, as as Matt Lafleur would say. Like you've got to start finding ways to get into rhythm from Jump Street. I don't care what it takes. I don't care if it means running a certain kind of play, I don't care if it means doing, you know, running running a, a a you know, 20 or 30 like play script that Aaron might not be crazy about, but we know that it'll it'll just keep this offense moving a little bit. These are the kind of our, our go-tos. I don't really care. You've got to find some way to get this offense going because you can't keep relying on this defense to bail you out. Like that's what they that's what they've been able to rely on the last couple of last couple of games. And you can't keep relying on this defense because as we keep seeing more and more injuries are stacking up like you're going to have like everybody is going to have to find ways to to step their game up. This team right now is playing playing at a level that is like it it's weird it's not the same kind of level that we saw like when we had worries about them, or at least when I had worries about them in 2019, like about kind of finding rhythm, it it feels like there's just, there's just these weird little dry spells from everybody, you know, wherever, like nobody's putting it all together all at once.
1: Yeah. It's uh, it's
4: streaky. It's just been very, like, I think the the, the second half, I think the second half of that game was the best the offense looked all season. So it's like, where was was that? in the first half and you know, they were doing that obviously, you know, because they were coming back from a deficit, but just in general, it's like, and I say this, I probably say this on every single episode here on pack a day and I'm sure I say it on open book too, but for me being still a, obviously massive Aaron Rodgers fan doesn't matter to me for me when you have Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon this week, just AJ Dillon, but still you need to set up the pass with the run. If you're just going out there with the pass, teams can just double team Devonte, play deep safeties, and and then you just you you're going to be forced to have other guys step up and make plays. Yes, MVS did go and do that, and that was great to see. And and you know even EQ stepped up and made some plays, but I think that was and we won't go into this discussion, just for an example, but the OBJ thing, it was just you know, an idea of another receiver that can draw attention away from Devontae so he's not just constantly seeing double teams. And I think because we don't have that other receiver, the running game needs to be technically that other receiver. And I just don't know why Matt LaFleur, he's just, he's not committing to it. He he might run it, you know, on some drives, yes, some drives, no, but throughout the game, the Packers are almost never in scenarios where it's, we cannot run the football. Like we must throw in every single down. It just doesn't happen. We, we very rarely are trailing by that much. And I don't see 13 in the first half being a deficit big enough to completely abandon the run. And it's just, you do the run and that sets up the play action. And also I did, I felt like there was no motion, at least in the first half, it was just a stagnant kind of Mike McCarthy esque offense and I just I just don't understand. Like I think, Matt Lafleur, and it's not just been this week. You know, last week also, like you said, Dan, we didn't look all that great against Seattle, and they probably could have looked could have and should have looked a lot better. And I just think that starts with the run game. But I will small, you know, caveat is the offensive line. At least for sure, yesterday, it was not was not up to par for for an elite contending team, at least in my opinion.
3: Yeah, and I think when the offensive line isn't playing I mean there are a lot of adversity roles on this offensive line but I think that also kind of creates question for that run game where it's like yes AJ Dillon he can be a freight train but he kind of has talked about you know wanting to be more than that Um, and it's sometimes you know obviously the Vikings have a really strong defensive front and if the offensive line isn't creating those holes it makes it really tough and then There's just a lot going on. Yeah, that offense, it's really, it takes a couple drives to really start clicking, which is really frustrating. And kind of like Dan said, you know, we've been able to, I mean, it's kind of odd that we've been able to rely on the defense. That's not something we've been able to talk about in past seasons, but uh, the defense just wasn't up to par. And then the offense starts cooking and it's like, okay, if we can have a hot offense and a hot defense that'd be amazing, but we just can't have best of both worlds, and that's really, really tough. And there's just so much that went into that game, uh, especially that first half. It was just really frustrating. It took the offense a long time to get get going. Obviously, special teams still being a problem. Defense just, you know, let Kirk Cousins look way too good, and that's really frustrating for someone like me who can't stand anything that (laughs) – anything good happening to the Vikings, Uh, and it was, you know, they they were shutting down Delvin Cook, and I really thought he was going to be the biggest factor, and it's almost like the defense forgot you don't have to pick and choose if you want to stop the run or stop the air, you know, you can do both, and they were doing a really good job stopping the run game, but the pass game, they just, they really struggled in that it's the entire DB room, it wasn't just one person, it was basically everybody who really struggled in many moments, who I'm sure we'll kind of talk about when we get into our stock up, stock down, it's just, you know, it's tough when the offense we finally start to see uh, really get going and, you know, MVS hitting the, like Rogers, obviously really targeting MVS for that deep ball because he knows if he can get it to him, he's gone. Um, So for him to take about four tries before you can hit him that's kind of frustrating. And yeah, I mean, when you want the run game to be more impactful and Rogers is throwing deep and not hitting his targets, it's, it's really frustrating and it's a tough way to start the game. And then for the Vikings offense to, to kind of come out hot, it's, there's just so much happening and that's just what divisional games are is you see very different versions of your opponents than what you're used to. You know, when you see like an Arizona or a Seattle, you kind of know what to expect because they're not going to look much different against you than the opponents that they played last week. But these divisional games are always so much different. And yeah, I mean, I think it was you, Dan, who was saying kind of just, there were a lot of people who were really confident going into this game. And I mean, rightfully so. I think that the Packers have done a really good job, but they also were down Rashawn Gary, who is a huge playmaker on that defense. And I think his absence showed a lot. Um, But I mean, this is this is Vikings territory and U.S. Bank is a really tough place for them to play. And I was expecting a Packers win in a much closer game and it was still close. It just didn't swing the way I wanted to. So, yeah, I think there was a lot of a lot of really good things that happened in this game that were really important to see kind of blossom. But there were also a lot of really negative things that we're obviously going to have to talk about.
2: Yeah, for sure, and I think we can uh, we can start talking about them uh, now in our stock up, stock down. Um, again, another one where, like last time that we were on, right after the Chiefs game, we have a decent, I think, a decent mix of ones we could pick for stock up and stock down for right. this. Um, so I guess, uh, Jen, I'll start with you. Uh, Why don't you start us off with a stock up? We'll start positive today and go stock up. What do you? What's your first one?
3: Ooh, okay. Um, Two immediately pop to mind, but you know I I touched a little on MVS. I'm sure Mm -hmm. MVS is one of yours, but I really need to crown Preston Smith for his performance. I thought he was just a menace and it was fun to watch him getting to cousins. And, you know, with Rashawn Gary being out, he really needed to make his presence known. And I thought he did a great job. There was a lot of times where Kirk was just barely getting that ball up before Preston was right there. So I think Mm -hmm. that that is a huge stepping stone for him. And I, I love Preston Smith. I think that he is a phenomenal player. So to be able to see his presence more known and just see him up in Kirk's face for most of the game. It didn't seem like the the Packers had a whole lot of pressure, but when they did, it was usually Preston Smith. And I mean, obviously, you know, I mentioned Rashawn Gary, but Merciless is also hurt. He tore that bicep. So there's a lot of guys who needed to step up for this Packers defense. And I thought Preston Smith did a great job of kind of filling that role. And it's not a role he's unfamiliar with. He's a great linebacker, but you know, he really stepped it up in this game. And I thought that was really important. And I hope that he can kind of continue to rise in that way because we know that he can do it, but he usually has somebody on the other side kind of shadowing him and taking some attention away. You know, it's that dual threat. So when you're missing guys for him to be able to still get to the quarterback the way he did, I thought, you know, it, it was a great game for him.
2: That's a good one. I hadn't really thought about that. But when you bring it up, yeah, like, especially, especially in the second half. Yeah. um, And I think that's
3: that's what's frustrating is that Preston Smith created opportunities for those DBs. And and we'll talk about them later. But he, I I know I talked about this leading up to this week where I said, you know, if you can get that pressure on Kirk Cousins, Mm -hmm. he will panic throw the ball. And that could create opportunity for turnover. So the defensive front they did their part. Unfortunately, the rest of the defense did not. So Preston Smith went out there did his job. It was just the the other people on defense not finishing.
2: And, and like you said, doing it without Rashawn Gary, doing it without his other Smith brother. You know, he it was it was him and uh and Tippa. I can't I don't remember how to say his last name. It took me like a Jalea? long
1: time. Yeah.
4: Naya and yeah, the yeah, I I,
2: I, I yeah, don't want to install I, I don't I
4: don't attempt I, it too often. Tippa. Yeah.
2: He it, it yeah. wasn't it wasn't the usual guys out there. It was basically kind of him and they were trying to manufacture pressure instead of getting it like organically how they have been able to the last several weeks or so. And so yeah, that's a good one because you said he they forced the opportunities there. And it was main. It was mainly Preston. Kenny Clark did a pretty good job in the second yeah. half too, doing it. But yeah, Preston especially. He's been kind of almost forgotten a little bit over the last the season this season so far. Mm-hmm. And to see him kind of come out and be able to handle it in the second half like he did, that was that was really good.
3: Which you did just kind of briefly mention, Kenny Clark. I do have to say, even Vikings fans today were like, "Wow, that Kenny Clark yeah. guy is scary." <laughs> So I mean even Vikings fans were giving kudos to Kenny Clark today. Yeah that, the defense is good. The defense yeah. was
2: good. It just like you said there there's some that we'll we'll talk about when we get to stock down that I think that needs to be addressed. <laughs> uh Eli what about you? What's a uh, a stock up that you have uh listed?
4: Um so I actually was potentially going to lead with with preston smith because i was also very impressed but um i gotta go with i gotta go with mvs like i know it it ended up just being four catches for him but it was four catches for 123 yards and a touchdown and a big part of it for me is just that Rodgers is clearly at a point with him that he just trusts him like the fact that you know he kept Going him deep time after time, and they actually connected on two of them. One being the touchdown. The other one was like a forty something, uh, forty something yard gain, uh, just showing that clearly he's finally gone. You know, he's gotten the trust of Aaron Rodgers. And then there was a third down. He made a nice catch. You notice a hands catch that maybe in years past we would have seen kind of bounce off his hands or go through his hands. He just made a good kind of grab on the football, getting the first down, and. We're just seeing him become more of a complete receiver, I think, in general. And that's definitely something we need. I think we're going to need it even more down the stretch. Like I mentioned earlier, how there's got to be another guy outside of Devontae Adams who's catching the football. I mean, yesterday, obviously, yes, we were missing guys' uh, receivers. But receivers that caught the ball yesterday, four four receivers. Uh, Devontae, MVS, EQ, and Randall Cobb. Everyone else was a tight end or a running back. That's just not going to work when you when you just don't have another real threat. So MVS getting targeted 10 times and only catching four of those. Like everyone else Aaron Rodgers targeted, he at most had one incompletion to them. He had six incompletions to MVS. And I'm not saying it's all of MVS's fault. A lot of them were just deep shots that he wasn't really open on. Um, and I think Rodgers more threw it just because he was under pressure. But if MVS can can step it up down the stretch and just be a consistent contributor. Doesn't always have to be a 75 yard touchdown, but be someone that Rodgers can trust in the key situations on third downs in the red zone, stuff like that. That's going to be huge because at this point, you know, we're not we're not going to be trading and I don't see us signing anyone. Like this is the group we have. And we need someone to step up opposite Devontae to take some pressure off him and just a small a small add-on to that, um, it might seem like silly-ish, but I mean Aaron Rodgers. Like, let's just you know, let's be real. Twenty-three of thirty-three, three eighty-five, four touchdowns, one hundred forty-eight point four passer rating. The second half, he was ten for eleven with three touchdowns and one hundred fifty-eight point three passer rating, perfect passer rating. I mean, that was there. Like, the first half of Aaron Rodgers did not look very right at all. The second half of Aaron Rodgers was the Aaron Rodgers. Of, you know, last year and of some others at points of this season looking like an MVP. So if Aaron Rodgers, if it look, yes, taking a loss sucks, but if this can put him back into that rhythm, it could be worth it because I think we saw him playing at an extremely elite level in that second half.
1: the difference in the purchase price. Recently, I was just able to pick up tickets to Packers Vikings in Minnesota. going to be heading West for that game. Attending my first game in the new Vikings stadium. Cannot wait for that. Let me tell you, it was so incredibly easy to use TickPick. No awful service fees. I cannot recommend it enough. And the easiest way to do so is by going to TickPick.com slash Packaday today to save $10 on your first order of Packers tickets or any other tickets that you want to purchase. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE.
3: Yeah, and I think uh, just to touch on MBS, because obviously you just uh, mentioned two players for your stock up, but MBS, he is somebody who we have just been patiently waiting for him to hit that stride. And you can tell that Aaron Rodgers trusts him enough to continue to throw him the ball. And he wants to hit him on that deep shot. And he knows that if he can hit him in stride, the MBS is gone because he's got the speed Um, despite coming back from injury. He's still, he's still fast out there and his hands are so much better. I know that was, that has been an issue and he has taken, so much heat for it, so to be able to see him go out there and have these big games and these big moments, I love that for him, and it's just, if he can really develop into that solid number two, which he is pretty close to being, then the Packers really do have quite the at receiver, and you bring in Lazard, who is a phenomenal blocker and also gets involved in the passing game. This, I mean, it's not the big-name guys, but MVS has a lot of potential in this league and when you have the trust from Aaron Rodgers that helps so much and I mean if Rodgers can be more accurate on some of those throws who knows what MVS's numbers would have been yesterday so he's just somebody who has been so fun to watch and so fun to watch develop because you kind of remember how he like where he started and you see where he is now and it's been a slow a slow ride with MVS, but it has been an enjoyable one. So I'm excited to see him get more targets and hopefully his reception number goes up and, you know, he's going to be one of those really important guys on this offense. And obviously now that he's back from his injury and, you know, this receiver room has really struggled with a lot of, you know, they haven't, it doesn't seem like they've all been present together for a while, but he is kind of just really developing into that true number 2 which is so important and he has so he has such a a wonderful skill set where if he can be utilized more it's going to be extremely dangerous and then you also touched on Aaron Rodgers obviously who yeah i mean that first half his stock definitely went down but he went back to looking like vintage rodgers that second half and it was so fun and i wish that the game would have ended differently because of that offensive performance but it's just you know he he was getting in his groove, and he was just, you know, he looked more comfortable, and everything was just starting to flow together. So, I mean, he's up for FedEx Air Player of the Week, which is huge. And no
4: vote, everybody.
3: You know, it just kind of a lot of people were obviously very frustrated with how his performance started. Um, you know, he's he's strung. I think he on a throwaway hit Lucas Patrick in the head, or what? Like things were just bizarre, but there's just so many factors, you know, he's missing players and, uh, his receivers Missing
4: practice also.
3: Yeah. With that toe thing, which apparently, you know, he made it sound very, very painful. So, I mean, but he's still out there running for 18 yards and he, he just, you know, he is, uh, he starts off a little slower, but when he finds that rhythm, I mean, he's still Aaron Rodgers and he's still a very dangerous player. And, it's tough. you know. He's obviously missing important weapons. And at one point, Mercedes was on the sideline and it's like, you're losing. So if you don't have Mercedes and you're obviously down Tunyon and Lazard, it's like, you're missing important blockers for your receivers. And that kind of sets things up and obviously missing Aaron Jones. So he's doing a lot. And obviously the offensive line missing very important pieces. So that can add a lot to what a quarterback has to go through to be able to get the ball off. And I think that able to figure those things out and get it going the second half. So I think if he can continue to look like that, I mean, I never, I never doubt Aaron Rodgers when he goes in the field. It was just really fun to see him back in that MVP-esque form.
2: I'm going to, I'm going to push back just kind of (laughs) slightly on it. Uh, I don't know how much I want to say that it's a stock up for Aaron Rodgers. Um because it there's still just i i still just have a lot of a lot of hesitation about what i'm expecting out of Aaron Rodgers moving forward now um like if any i think it's maybe like a stock like
3: neutral like it's a hold like it was going down, but then it kind of flattened well, back out. Not
2: not so much like you would like, not like, really, it wasn't any, it wasn't a lot of like, it wasn't anything where I went, I need to sell or I need to buy. Like it was <laughs> kind of just like a hold. Let's just see kind of how the market keeps going. We'll just kind of see what's going. We're not really going to change our strategy yet. We're just kind of sticking by. And a lot like, of that is
3: because the expectations for Aaron Rodgers are so high already. That's, well, that's where like it. That, it makes that, it hard to, you know, want to improve on that idea of him.
2: It is. It's hard. It's hard. It's hard because like you said, it is, it is sort of an expectation, but like uh, we're, we're still, we still haven't seen him play at that. We still haven't seen him play at that level yet. I mean, really this whole year, it's been, it's been kind of Aaron Rodgers looks a little off on deep throws. He's looking like, this is the like, this is kind of the first year for me where it's not so much that Aaron looks bad, it's Aaron looks old and he's still very good. He's still top, top two, top three quarterbacks in the league. I would still, I still obviously very much enjoy having him lead my offense. I like, I'm not, I'm not trying to say this in a, in a terribly overly negative way, but at the same time, it's like, some of the stuff that he's doing, missing missing MBS on on long balls when that used to be something that he was was an artist at. It, it was it's we we talk about MBS and his rise, and it's like this year it seems like MBS's stock up is being limited by Aaron Rodgers, as opposed to the other way around. Like like MBS has has clearly like reached a new level this year. He's he's playing at a higher level. He's not dropping balls like he was doing in the past. He's he seems to be a more polished wide receiver. He's like you said he's got the respect and the trust of Aaron Rodgers. He's fitting into this offense, but now it's Aaron Rodgers just seems like he's like we're not seeing the same the same kind of Aaron Rodgers. And it, it's starting to worry me a little bit that this looks more like what we're going to kind of see moving forward. I'm not saying that it is, but it, it's starting to look more and more like like this is a this is trending in the wrong direction. And it's not so much that he's forcing plays or he's or the offense isn't working right or guys aren't getting open or anything else. That it, it's starting to look like these are this is stuff where it's just. Father time and it's starting to come for Aaron. Stuff like wow. getting over COVID and I mean yeah, he hasn't his, practiced and dealing with his toe and not yeah, not, having, not practicing told. like like this stuff kind of starts to starts to accumulate a little bit more and it and it's now that he's older, I just I don't like how it's trending. And so so I just I'm just trying to I'm just pushing back a little bit on it. I'm not saying that it's wrong or anything. I I, I don't like I don't always, disagree. Yeah.
3: We can't always, you know, be on the same page I... unless <laughs> we don't have a show. I know, I know. That's what I'm, I'm saying that line, yeah. Nobody's going to want to, you know, because there's people who think like Dan and there's people who think like Eli and that's why we have three of us right. here so that we can get all the different perspectives because I think you, you both make really good points and, you know, we all have certain expectations for somebody like Aaron Rodgers and when they've kind of been having a tough year, it's exciting to see them come in and have a really good second half but at the same time it's like okay how consistent are we going to get that and I think practicing hopefully he can get back to practicing because I think that's a huge thing and we're seeing because you know with the COVID and now his toe issue it's like he's missing a lot of time so for him I guess not even practicing and to be able to at least put a performance together like he did yesterday is impressive but we need more consistency from him for sure.
4: Yeah, real quick just to uh cap off the Aaron Rodgers talk cuz I feel like we all have a you know pretty similar idea of of where we're at with him but uh number one I do think at least on on two for sure two maybe even three of the deep MVS shots that didn't work out I think they were more e- equal parts pressure in his face slash MVS was kind of plastered, and like those were the ones that kind of seemed to go and sail out of bounds. Like MVS really wasn't that open, but there definitely were also one or two where MVS had a step on the guy and it wasn't on the sideline, it was more of a post route. And Rodgers kind of put it a bit too far out in front, which definitely was uh, disappointing to see. But, and I definitely can't, you know, look, I mean, f- facts are facts. You know, he's thirties to 37 years old, nearly 38. Oh, birthday's coming up in uh, about ten days. Let's not forget that. Um, but you know, I just look at the at, at his at his play and his touchdown throw to Josiah DeGuara, and that that kind of makes me feel like, you know, yes, he's aging. He's not going to be able to do what he did in in two thousand and eleven and two thousand and fourteen and maybe stuff like that. But I still don't think there is is maybe any other quarterback. And if there is, it is a very small number who can be running at full speed to his left and just flick his wrist and put the ball 20, 30, 20, 30 yards downfield on a line with such perfect accuracy, the way he made that throw to DeGuara. Like, that was, to me at least, probably his highlight of the game. Just, like, that throw was just mind-blowing to me. Like, the the way he was able to just just the accuracy when you're when you're on the run and you're running in the opposite direction of your body and you're throwing across your body and just it was just like a flick he didn't he didn't flip his hips it was still running left and he just flicked his wrist and he put that in in the one spot where it was right into Guire's chest and th- that throw is kind of you know you look at that and you say like all right he clearly still is play, has the ability to be playing at an extremely elite level. I think obviously the toe doesn't help. The offensive line did not give him a lot of help, and missing practice doesn't help. But uh, yeah, obviously the first half was not what we were looking for out of Rodgers yesterday.
2: Yeah, and we—that's the thing—is we see flashes of it, but it—it's it, not the consistent kind of play anymore and i i do think that there's a lot to be said for the especially the offensive line that he's playing around that does not help things in the slightest i understand all of that like i said it's it's more of a hold for me just because it's been two weeks now where it's a slow well and it's kind of almost been a thing for the last couple of years is getting off to a slow start this year especially though it's been more of the aaron Rodgers kind of feels like he's taking some time to get into the rhythm of the offense as opposed to the offense, kind of getting into a rhythm as a whole. Um, My only other one you you touched on it. uh, Eli, my only other stock up was Josiah DeGuara because it was a really cool moment. As I said, I got to listen. I don't usually listen to uh, Wayne Larrabee and rock on, on the Packers radio network, but I had to stream it um, this past Sunday and it was really cool right before that touchdown on that drive. They were talking about – I think Josiah had like uh, a, a nifty little catch right before – a couple of plays before that in that drive. And they were talking about how – like L- Larry McCarron literally said like it really does feel like Josiah's starting to get into a rhythm here with Aaron Rodgers in the last couple of weeks. Like it, it feels like he's starting to find his role – in this offense, and he's we're starting to see what Josiah can do. And then, like literally five plays later, you said that that throw from Aaron Rodgers, it only works if the guy on the other end actually makes the catch. And Josiah, he trusts Josiah enough, obviously, to to put that ball there. And Josiah completed it and gets the score, a clutch score at the at that moment of the game. So Josiah for me, it's really good to see him obviously coming back from the injury from last year and now being thrust into a role where you're not just, uh, you know, tight end number three, getting rotated in on stuff like you're, you're the guy now. yeah. And, and he, yeah, he seems to be trending in the right direction. Out. So I, I want to give a shout out to Josiah.
3: Yeah. Cause I mean, Mercedes isn't like the tight end What you know, He's uh, given one or two, and it's really exciting, but DeGuar really needs to step up, and he's really starting to, you know, he's slowly transitioning, but it's nice to see him getting involved the way he is, and I mean, even I think Daphne had a play, and it's like EQ getting more involved. It's nice to see these guys who don't usually do much stepping into these roles in the absence of other players,
4: yeah, and that just—I uh, assume we're going to get into stock down in a second. But let's just all remember, big picture. I mean, we, it would take too long to go through the names, but anyone listening to this to this episode knows who this team is missing and who they lost throughout yesterday's game. The fact that they put up 31 points, the fact that they're eight and three right now—I think the second seed in the NFC—and looking in general as good as they've looked, especially defensively is incredible. So if we just if we could just be even marginal, marginally more healthy come playoff time, in my opinion, it, it could be the best top to bottom roster we've seen in the Rogers era because it mostly again because of how good the defense has been, but I think the offense will be definitely good enough if the defense continues to play well that they're going to be extremely difficult to beat come playoff time.
2: Yeah, very much so. Um, let's transition over to the bad side of things. (laughs) Stock down. Who wants to start us off? I feel Eli, I feel like you came in here. You came in here with some energy. You (laughs) you popped, you popped into the chat before we started. And I already felt like Eli has stuff that he needs to get off of his chest. So why don't you start us off? Who's, who's a stock down for you this week?
4: So it's it, it, if, if, if it was just the first half, I think this would this would uh, be a lot better, but I'm still going to stick with it. And it, for me, it's, it's, it's Matt LaFleur right now. I really think he has not, I think he's just gotten away from a lot of what the Packers did last year that made them the number one offense in the NFL. Running the football, consistent motion, pre-snap motion, it's just been, it's been very like, there, are, well, we could go full quarters if not halves, where we don't see it, and then the offense isn't working. And then he's like, "Oh wait, remember the whole other part of the playbook that was so good last year? Yeah, let's go do it." And then we saw that in the second half, there was a lot more motion, there's a lot more creativity. I mean, that play call on, on that—I think it was fourth and short or third and short—where he handed it off to Cobb, mm-hmm. who flipped it off to Dylan. Like that was genius. I love that play. But- say,
3: we have to talk about that at some point because it yeah, was- and I think that. <laughs> Uh, when we talked to Cobb on Open Book, he had mentioned, like, you know, yeah. not really doing anything fancy because he, cause he can throw the ball. And he's like, nah, you know, did it once and never again. So it was kind of cool That's to see cool. him go out there and get to be part of a, a little trick play.
4: Yeah. So, like, stuff like that is awesome. And the second half he called was tremendous. But in general, the first half of the game, last week's game, previous, just throughout the season, I just feel like he has not. Especially, you know, with the way last year, I believe, the Packers scored on 13 of 16 opening possessions, which is an insane number. And it's not like, you know, you could blame them if they didn't match that number this year. But it has been so on the opposite side where they cannot they just can't start fast in any way. And it's usually those scripted plays that worked so well to start games off. We're not seeing it. And for me again, and I, I re- say it, and I repeat it, and I say it again. But it's just, you got to commit to the run game. It's just so much. It, it's not in Mike McCarthy's offense, maybe not, but this offense relies on getting the run game going, and then you could set up the play action, and you could just do so much more off of it. And I know the offensive line was not at one hundred percent, It was not playing its best. I mean, the offensive line, just not, just not a, not very good yesterday. But regardless. They need to run the football, especially when you have Aaron Jones back. But even with just A.J. Dillon, run the ball on, on first down. and You just you, you pick up three, four yards. You just got to stay ahead of the sticks. All of a sudden, when you're going third and long, every single drive, third and long, it's third and eight, it's third and nine. If with, There was a lot of penalties yesterday. All of a sudden, it's third and 12. Like You're not going to win games when you consistently have to deal with that. You need to stay ahead of the sticks. And you have two incredible running backs on your team. And again, obviously I'm not just talking about yesterday. I think as it gets colder and we're going to be playing a lot of games in Lambeau down the stretch, they, I think between Jones and Dylan, you've got to be looking at close to 30 to 30 carries a game and just let them wear defenses out. And then instead of having 10 targets, 10 VS and four completions, it could be seven targets and five completions, but have the same production. It's just, you need, to counterbalance the passing attack and you need the defense to be afraid of your run game. You need them to kind of start getting closer and closer to the line. And that's when you're going to hit MVS deep. That's when you're going to get Devonte potentially in a one-on-one matchup. And then he can go and do whatever the hell he wants because he's the best receiver in the game. But if you don't have a run game, everyone knows. And we saw this for years and years and years on the McCarthy when it came down to it, usually in the playoffs Every defense would do the same thing. They would do the two deep safeties, you know, kind of double up your best guy. Whether at the time it was it was Jordy, or it was or it was even Devante, or further past, you know, Jennings, whatever it was. They they need the ability to run the ball and force the defense to continuously think that it could be a run at any time, regardless of the score, and that's just going to open up a ton more in the passing game. So, for me, it's just Matt Lafleur. Getting back to kind of like his roots, kind of like those Rams offense roots back with McVeigh motion. So you start with the run and you set up the pass off the run. You don't set up the run off the pass. And that's at least how I see it.
3: And I do. I do have a small counterpoint. It is very hard to have a run game when every second down it is second and twenty.
4: Yes, that was that very, that's, yes, that was hard. The difficult. penalties.
3: That was extremely penalties. problematic.
4: Yeah, I was I was actually going to tweet when Rodgers had that eighteen yard run. I was going to say that you know did Aaron Rodgers just run for a first down and there's no holding call? What's happening? Like this is crazy. But, but <laughs> it's like I mean, yeah. I think
3: Dylan did have a big run on one of those. It, it just seemed like they were second and long every single time for a team well, that but- is hardly ever penalized. It was it made it really tough, and maybe that's one of those things that goes in there and it kind of screws up Matt LaFleur's plan a little bit when, I mean, one, you're playing a really good defensive front and two, you're second and long, like every other drive, it makes it extremely difficult. So I think maybe in that sense that LaFleur has to be able to get creative when penalties really start to override the game. It's just, I mean, Dylan, I mean, 11 carries in a game. Yeah. That is not what I was expecting, especially with no Aaron Jones. And I think, uh, Patrick Taylor only had 4 carries so it's you know it they just didn't utilize the run game the way I thought they would but I think it's really tough when the offense continuously puts them in a tough position to run the ball
2: that's a, that I like that point there that the offense the offensive line especially with the holding calls and everything did not put the put this offense into a position to really succeed especially early on I think a little bit of it was kind of one-sided I'm not going to talk much about that um
3: no I mean that's a fair point we all know that the refs close their eyes every time the Vikings offensive line was out there Elton Jenkins (laughs) getting like a whip through the ear hole but you know yeah right yeah
2: (laughs) Yeah. Kenny Kenny Clark I'm sure you know destroying destroying a, a backup center didn't draw a single holding call the entire right. time. I'm sure that, that, yeah, that that's likely. Me.
4: Yeah,
2: <laughs> I sure. did. I did yeah.
3: love the booth trying to justify it every single yeah. time, though. You know, Lancaster <laughs> has an entire arm across his body, and they're like, "Well, well," and it's like, "Come on." Yeah,
4: yeah I I was gonna, gonna use my stock down. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna use my stock down on the officiating, but I knew it would come up in conversation anyway. But just blanket statement. This is the worst NFL officiating I, I can personally remember seeing, and I'm not just talking about Packer games, across the entire NFL. It's pathetic. The taunting calls, the weak roughing the passer calls, the missed calls. It's just bad. It just looks bad in so many areas, and the NFL being the NFL, to not have any kind of solution or any explanation even, it's just just—it's—it's it's pretty pathetic in my opinion.
2: It, it, I mean, it's pathetic. But I, have like I've said before, what changes? You know,
4: are we gonna stop watching the games? Oh, see, then though, look, that's the problem. They know, you know they no know. matter what. They even with the look, with the replacement refs. You know, the views. I'm sure were still the same back in 2012 when we're not even gonna go into what happened there. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, look, they know that people will still watch. But it's just at a certain point. Use your brain. If, if I'm sitting on my couch at home and I've never been in a ref of anything and I could see something that clearly because you see the replays, you just, you, yeah, you have refs on the field to, to, to keep order amongst the players. But when it comes to penalties and big plays and stuff like that, you have 9,000 angles on every single play yeah, up but in the like, booth.
2: But, but that's the thing. Do we have the same? We're going to, I'm diving into this now. Do we have the same outcome or ex- expectation of a game that ownership does? Because we want to see, like you're saying, we want to see a fairly called game. We want to see the rules enforced in a, a consistent and logical sense that doesn't take away from what makes the game great and also making the game safer at the same time. Ownership cares about making money. Yeah, and they will, they, they are just printing money regardless of what happens. Henry Ruggs killed somebody, John Gruden got fired in the middle of the season for being outed as a misogynistic, sexist, racist, and they're still selling billions of dollars in TV rights. They don't care, the league does not care how bad the product is because we. We're drug addicts, man. We <laughs> need the football fix, and we're gonna keep watching no matter what, you know. And that's yeah. that's what really because because you're completely right, Eli. I'm with you on it all. It, it's terrible that a league like this has officiating that is so so poor when they have so, they have the resources available to to fix it. And yeah, like not it just not having them full they don't time. They,
4: yeah the fact that the NFL refs are not full-time employees, it just doesn't make sense. Like they're not full-time NFL employees. That means for half the year, you know, they're not studying up on the playbook. They're not, you know, being engaged. We we laugh and I mean, we talk about how important it is, you know, for players to go to practice. There needs to be rep practice, be in those positions and see plays. And, but still at a certain point, Humans are humans. You could only see the angle that you could see when you're on the field, which is why, for in my opinion, just the simple kind of fix is just you go to the booth. Will it take an extra thirty seconds, potentially? But we've seen this year they started, you know, that quick that quick review where it doesn't even go to challenge. Right. Sometimes they'll just change it. And so do that more. Good. Like there, yeah, the, yeah that, that has that has been good, but they've got to do it more. It's just it, yeah. it doesn't have to come to the point. Where it did the Saints and the Rams in 2018, right where a team has to have a Super Bowl berth taken away from them for the NFL to open its eyes. It's like, I don't care if it's week six, if it's week 16 or if it's in the in the championship game, you can't have it. You just you have a booth that has an angle and a camera in every single way. Will fans maybe lose patience after a minute or two? Maybe. But would you rather have the right call or would you rather gain the you know save thirty seconds? I think at the end of the day, it all in it, it all evens out and every fan would want the right call on the field, and we're barely getting that this year at all.
3: Well, guys, none of this matters because obviously the most important thing this year is taunting. Yeah. So who cares uh. about anything <laughs> else that's happening? Taunting
4: yeah. call. In the Chiefs game last night, if you saw against Hilaire. Pathetic. Pathetic. didn't do anything. It's one thing if you do the peace sign, which is still nothing. He pointed at the guy. It didn't do nothing. 15-yard penalty. It's like, what? And
2: again, a guy guy coming off of injury, playing in his first game back, scores in front of the home crowd, and celebrates a little bit at that guy's expense. Who cares? What are we doing here, guys? What are we doing? We're adults. uh,
3: Going back to, what was it, that Bears on Monday night
2: Right. Like yeah. Again, there's... Yeah.
3: And I, you know, I just...
1: Yeah, I, there's tons it's like of examples. They, they
3: pick a call every year to just shove down our throats. And this year it's taunting. And it, taunting is the stupidest waste of a penalty that I've ever seen in my life. Because it's like, most of the time, it's just these guys being excited because they did their job right. And that, you know, they should be allowed to celebrate that. Yeah, the ones where they're getting in guys' faces and... You know, obviously we can't hear everything that's being said. Right. Those and those are, are getting called anyways. Those need to be called, yes. But if a guy is just celebrating, doing his job, why should that be a penalty? That is equivalent right. to much more severe penalties. Yeah, it's it's so frustrating. But it you know is. what? You know, I why why have fun? You know, right? <laughs> who, who needs to have fun when they're playing football and making millions of dollars? Who exactly? Like, Not like don't this is fun. a kids'
2: game or anything. Right. <laughs> <laughs>
3: it's not like it's entertainment or anything we yeah like i miss all like the end zone celebrations and all the fun that yeah like, mm-hmm. where is that season like i missed that right and they
4: came I out specifically crazy. and like said guys can start celebrating and then after a year or two they went in the total opposite direction like, like where did you that can come celebrate, from
3: psych two years later now you have to pay if you want to celebrate
4: yeah yeah it's just it's awful it's just it's it's, 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 it's hard to watch. And it's not just the Packer game. Just watching any NFL no, fan. Anyone who likes to watch football game, just ruins the game.
3: It's any game I've watched this year. And when I'm upset about calls against the bears, that's when, you know, it's bad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: Um. Let's uh. let's start rap. Let's start. You know, we, we, I, I mean, we all, we all went down a rabbit hole. <laughs> we had a lot yeah. to get off our chest with the referees there. Um, yeah. Well, let's let's let's. Uh, we'll direct it back to the Packers as we kind of close up a little bit. My one, I I've got a couple. I had a couple on here, but I think really I can sum up a lot of them and just a a compare. Like they they worked together to make this stock down. But the secondary and Joe Barry, uh, this week. Very clearly, yep. the game plan did not work. There and and not not so much that the game plan didn't work. There were parts where the game plan didn't work. Looking at that Justin Jefferson touchdown where everyone is two yards deep into the end yeah. zone.
4: What the um, hell
2: was that? Dude. Drove me up a wall. Drove me up an absolute wall. But but like you, you Eli, you kind of touched on it earlier. Um there were a couple times where the pass rush get the pass rush gets there and they're forcing those shots from from Kirk Cousins, and the DB's just could not finish it eric stokes on that long touchdown or i don't know i don't think it was a touchdown i think it technically or no there was a touchdown it to went justin down
3: at
2: the one yard was that the one that no the, was... the
4: second the second one where he oh i think he scored in the end he,
2: he, he scored he scored on that one it was when J- stokes fell down and yeah justin jefferson catches it and then the Razul douglas one where he's he just oh takes a weird step, and
3: it's almost and like was cousins, cousins it, like it, missed it. the ball, and it happened to go to Thielen. Like he didn't right. throw it the way he wanted it to, but it ended up working because Douglas spun all around, and right. I mean, and it's then, like yeah, Douglas like a month ago was a practice squad player, and Adam Thielen is a good receiver, but it's and Stokes yeah, same thing. Was... Down with Jefferson on the goal line, it's just guys getting turned around and not knowing where they are. And that's really frustrating. And it's kind of one of those games where you're like, wow, I really miss Jair. <laughs> Big time. And then, I mean, yeah.
2: Eli, you hit it, nail on the head. Those, that
3: interception
2: from, from Savage, that's a play that mm-hmm. he's got to make if he's going to be a starting safety.
3: There was like yeah. a five that should have been made. Yeah. It's that so
4: frustrating. That one was so egregious. Like, No, sorry. I was just saying it was there was was another one that was really bad, but but the I think it was Thielen did a a decent enough job job of of hitting the ball out. But that second one, it was it was nothing, it was it was simply he had the ball in the air for plenty of time and and all he just he did not bring it to his chest, he held the ball out. If you guys remember watching LaShawn McCoy running with the ball with one hand, you know, the ball out, that's what it looked like. And it's like, dude, I know you're on defense, you're not a receiver. But number one, you're a good player from what we've seen. Number two, you're in the NFL. You should know how to catch a ball. You catch the ball and you bring it to your chest. He caught it in the air and went down to the ground with that ball just flailing around far away from his body. And, yeah, you hit the ground. The ball's going to pop out. He puts that to his chest. He lands. He does not lose the ball. And chances are we're 9-2 and two right now. Like, like you said, Dan, like Savage, we've seen great moments from him. But if he wants to be a true, reliable, and elite safety in this league for years to come, those are plays you simply have to make. There's no excuse for it. Exactly.
3: Yeah, and Dan, this was like the entire DB group was my Mm -hmm. stock down too. And Savage especially, he's the one that really sticks out like a sore thumb. He just didn't have a great day, which is really frustrating because there were so many opportunities for him to have a great day. And then it turned out like he just didn't didn't perform well and it was just really frustrating like yeah I mean Eric Stokes is he it's his rookie year and he's matching up against Jefferson and that's a really tough matchup because Jefferson is a phenomenal receiver but those are plays that need to be had and Douglas you know matching up with Thielen like yeah these are guys who are on tough matchups but the the no. more veterans of that group really needed to step up and they just didn't and it was just really really frustrating. Um,
5: yeah, just Let's, you know
3: this this is such a good defense and Kirk Cousins like I said, Preston Smith set up Kirk Cousins to give these DBs a lot of opportunities, and they just didn't capitalize. And if you force those turnovers, you know turnovers help win games, and obviously, we're, we're I, you
4: know winning winning the turnover battle undefeated with the floor.
3: And I was so busy celebrating that Savage interception. I didn't even realize that he dropped it until the replay came and I was like, are you serious? So that was just, it's, it's a dagger to the heart to watch stuff like that where it's like this defense that has been so good all year and so reliable making mental errors like that. It's just, it's tough. And you know, you've got the Rams now coming up, They're, they're coming to home and, um, that's going to be a really tough receiver matchup too. So, and you know, Stafford isn't anybody new, but it's just, you need those guys to step up and Savage, it was just a really disappointing outing for him.
4: Yeah. And the real, just one real quick thing about Stokes, I feel like he is always in, in tremendous coverage. He's always in position, but he has yet to figure out the locating the ball part of it which is obviously a very big part of it
3: his speed helps him but his eyes need to yeah match with his speed because if he knows where because we've seen this multiple times in multiple different weeks where if he can figure out how to either if he's not facing the ball look at the receiver and kind of guess as to when the ball is because there's opportunities where if he just sticks his arm up that creates maybe a, a a breakup. And yeah, it's just those, those growing pains as a rookie. But when you are essentially cornerback one, we really need those plays to be made. And that's what's really tough is that there's a lot riding on him right now. But those are just simple things that he needs to incorporate into his game so he can really elevate it and be that reliable cornerback, because when Jair does come back, if he can be that solid cornerback too, which he can be, um, that's going to help a lot. But right now he has big shoes to fill and it just, he really struggled yesterday.
2: Yeah. And and again, like going back to Joe Barry again, I, I think it has to be mentioned Kevin King and Eric Stokes, the two worst defenders on the field, according to PFF on Sunday. Yeah. When when we when we talked to Kenny we talked to Kenny Clark on Lombardi's Bar this past week, and he specifically mentioned we asked him like what's the difference between this year and last year, he said we're playing essentially we're playing more man, and we're and we're we're getting guys into the right spots and they're playing good. What's been the key to the the re- the renaissance of Kevin King? He's playing more man. He's not playing the these these ten yard bubbles off of the off of the line of scrimmage and having to react. What did Joe Barry do? Played all Yeah. Played like almost went 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 so much zone. Every time they were getting beat,
3: it's zone. They played and scared. It, yeah, exactly. Yeah.
4: I mean, yeah. The, all, look, the, yeah, I mean the, you, the most you, obvious you example were scared, that touchdown.
3: You were scared of Kirk Cousins and that is disappointing. Right. Yeah.
4: <laughs> yeah, like Very if much. they went if they went in with the game plan they had against Seattle, we're walking out with with a thirty one to seventeen kind of win, yeah. and I don't think it would be much of a question. And they came in with just 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 a very bad game plan to go against this offense. And I will say, you know, credit them; they 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 held uh, Dalvin Cook in check, and that's great. But th- that doesn't help if you're just allowing guys to not just be open, but be open forty yards downfield consistently on your secondary. That's just not okay, and we know. I mean, we're not year one or two or three. We're five years into Kevin King's career. We know what he is good at, or you can say at least average at, and we know what he's for sure bad at, and they put him in positions where he's not going to succeed. And, yeah, I mean, outside of week one, I think you can easily say it was Barry's worst called game and just worst game plan going into it. And they just seemed, yeah, like they were just not prepared Like, they basically, I feel like they went in there saying, you know what, we're just going to focus on Dalvin Cook and the secondary is going to be fine and they'll just stop Kirk Cousins. But at the end of the day, Cousins, he may not be great, but he's not not garbage. And when you have Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen, you can't just say, only worry about Cook. Those are two majorly good receivers that you need to worry about. And, yeah, like you said, Dan, uh, Barry's plan going into it was just not, not on point whatsoever and they need to clean that up before the Rams or it could be potentially even worse.
1: Yeah.
3: And I uh, think before we wrap up, I'm just mm-hmm. gonna take like two seconds to say special teams like Mason Crosby yeah. stock down. Leash. It like my heart is like shattered having to put Mason Crosby stock down, but there's just something going on and I'm sorry Mason, but we can't <laughs> we can't not address it. Let me yeah. Yeah, go out there and do better. And let me ask
2: you me guys on. let me ask you guys this question as a, a we'll use this as an end cap on this. One just one word, one word answer for this. If Mason has similar troubles against LA that we've seen the last couple of weeks, do you make a switch at the bye week? Yes or no, Jen? No. Eli.
4: If he goes out there next week and misses a makeable kick, I got to go yes. I said one right. word answer, but I respect it. I'm sorry.
5: You. I re- I know. <laughs> you it's never hard. It's it's hard. Look,
4: that's just like Ben, I, look, I love Mason, and it's so hard to just say yes without it any is. context. No, it
3: is. I it, just I, – I don't see it happening. Oh, I, I don't think they're going
4: to do I, it. I don't think they're going to do it. I'm just no, saying I, what I would say.
3: I, I, I don't see, you know, even so – even if he's struggling, which we've seen a lot of kickers struggle this year, it's not just Mason who I've seen missing easy kicks, but it is Mason Crosby and you expect him to make those. But you know, how about our offense just doesn't put he's, Mason in the positions, better. maybe just yeah. score more? Like that's you know, a good that's fair. fair. That's very fair.
4: He, he went out there and drilled a 54 yarder and then misses a 32 yarder. So it's not like I, the, I don't have confidence in him. It's just, I think it's really the mental thing. Like we saw, and I think it was 20, 20, what, 2015 or 2017. Whatever year it was when he had that just awful, awful season. I don't think anyone doubts Mason Crosby's talent. I just think he clearly at times can get into his head, as I'm sure any kicker could. It's a very mental, it's one of the more mental parts of the game where you need to be in a good head space. And right now he's just not. He's just
3: not. Matt LaFleur has also addressed, it is not all on Mason Crosby. Every guy out there on special teams needs to do their job with the blocking. Yeah, well, I'm not at an all a fan of
4: the new long snapper. Just uh, to be put on the record, I have not seen a tight, good snap from him yet. Everything looks wobbly and slow. I don't know why the hell they, they decided to move on from Bradley. I really don't make – I don't understand that move mm. more than anything.
3: I do. You know, maybe next week is like a, Re- a Crosby redemption game. But, I mean, it, it sucks because you know he is kind of the most reliable guy. And when your reliable guy starts to struggle, it's really frustrating. And the kicking position, it's tough. Like, all eyes on you all the time. And, you know, whenever there's a three-point swing in a game and if you miss one, all of a sudden it's, oh, well, you know, this is Mason Crosby's fault. And not entirely true. Like, yeah, he should have made it. But that's not to say that this entire game – is his fault for the loss just because it was by 3 points? No,
4: definitely not. Yeah.
3: It's just it's similar to Aaron Rodgers. You have high expectations from Mason Crosby. He's your franchise lead scorer and there's just so much respect for him that it makes it that much harder to want to criticize him and you know, think of the idea of moving on from him. I think that if that decision were to come it would not be in season. It would be after the season. But uh, I do think that that's a conversation that'll end up happening in the off season. But Matt Lafleur seems very adamant that he, Mason Crosby's his guy, and he's not going to give up on him. And I think that from Lafleur is extremely important for Mason Crosby, even if Lafleur maybe doesn't believe it as much as he says he does. Mason Crosby needs to know that Matt LaFleur is that confident in him because if Matt LaFleur starts to show any doubt, that could also deteriorate the mental side of that game. So I think as a coach, Matt LaFleur is doing exactly what he needs to do in backing Mason Crosby because if he starts to have those doubts, of course, it's going to affect Crosby the same way.
2: I I completely agree because it, it, like you said, it's all mental with him and I was on the train this summer. Where if you if you thought it was time to make you know make peace with, with Mason Crosby and move on, I was ready to do it. The guy's making enough money that he needs to be making kicks like this consistently. And I, I'm with you guys. I think it's hard to tell because it's not something the Packers would normally do during the season. It it screams of a move of panic in you know in, in certain aspects, but at the same time they've protected JJ Molson on the practice squad. Now the last several weeks, they've they have this kicker sitting on the practice squad that they are clearly making a point that they want to keep around for whatever reason. It just, it makes me wonder how short, how short is a leash and, and would, would that be a move that this team decides to make it? it's,
4: it's something yeah, to just keep I, an eye on. Yeah. I just think, yeah, real, just to, to, to wrap it up, I just think, like like Jen said, um, recounting uh, what LaFleur said, you know, it's not all on Mason. And I said to myself, I'm not a big fan of the long snapper at the moment. Same but thing. I do think that if and assuming – and when I said about moving on from Mason, I don't see the Packers actually doing that. I'm just saying, for me personally, like, you, you just can't go and have a 35-yard field goal and be right. ready to crap your pants because you don't think you're gonna hit it in a dome of all places. <laughs> but I do think though, and whether it's versus the Rams or it happens over the bye week, if Wertle and Bajorquez and Mason can just I, mean, I think just like once it clicks, it will click and we're gonna see right. the Mason Crosby. We so, expect like, I don't think Mason Crosby is just done. I just think it needs to click. It's a it's a new it's a new snapper. It's a new holder. He's never, you know, first year for Bohorquez. Obviously, just the first couple of games for Wordle. Once they get it together, I do think it will be Mason, and we could be pretty damn confident in almost any position. But just at a certain point, like you got to identify what the problem is. That's for me. It's just like what is it, and I right. I keep deci- I can't I can't decide if it's the snap, and I can't decide if it's Mason mentally is Bork as you know we saw a couple times it was the laces but not really so often i really think it's either the the long snapper or Mason's in his head but i do think that there is still very much a chance for them to just get some more experience together as a trio get it together and for all we know by the end you know come the 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 stretch heading into the playoffs we're looking at the Mason Crosby expect on a weekly basis it just the whole operation needs to get cleaned up right now. Yeah. Spot
2: on. As I said, one word answers to wrap up the show. and (laughs) All three of us turn, we turn into like 15 more minutes of conversation. That's how this, that's how this show has gone today. I hope, I hope it's come across well for, for the listeners, because I feel like we, we had a lot to get off our chest about both sides of the ball, good and bad for the Packers there was a lot to talk about a lot to discuss and i think especially being at the place right now th- like this game was sort of a watershed moment you know this this was the mo- this this is, a, this is a moment regardless of what happens the rest of the season that we look back on and kind of say the season kind of was going to change around this game if they win they pretty much control their destiny with the division now it becomes a little bit more of a toss up and we enter we're entering now like the fourth quarter of the season and 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 it's and there's a, there's a lot to process after Sunday, so uh, I, I feel like the runtime was was worth the conversation that we had today. Uh, Jen Eli, do you want to let people know where they can find you out on the socials? What you got to promote this week? Jen, we'll start with you.
3: Yeah, um, per usual, you can always find me on Twitter at big mac underscore four, that's where. Most of my content my thoughts end up going. Um, you can find me every Wednesday on Open Book with uh, Eli and Zach. That's 8.45 p.m. Central on Game on Wisconsin. Uh, you can find me over at Packer Report. Obviously, I'm here on day every other Tuesday with these guys. Make sure that you do go check out Zach, Eli, and I's interview with Randall Cobb because that was a lot of fun. I uh, extremely yeah. incredible human like there's not enough nice where everything you thought about Randall Cobb it's that and even more when you get to talk to him so make sure you go check that out and yeah I mean everybody I hope that you enjoy your Thanksgiving I think we have to suffer through a Lions Bears game so do your best to get through that suffer <laughs>
2: we get to watch we get to watch Andy Dalton and Tim Boyle fight each other yeah in a match. this is fantastic Thanksgiving
3: I mean it's
4: gonna be so boring it's but gonna it's gonna, gonna, be gonna
2: be so funny. terrible it's I, gonna be
3: fantastic ter- terrible football is you know you we don't it's not it's not us having to deal with it I mean it's gonna be it is what it is maybe the Lions get their first win of the season maybe they don't but uh either way whatever you know I hope Tim Boyle can go out there and get a win uh but yeah I hope everybody enjoys their break and hopefully by the next time we'll We'll be back after the bye So we'll week. have to we'll get a little have, bit yeah. more creative. There's really no stock up or stock down that can happen on a bye week, but you We're never know with bunch, the team. <laughs>
2: yeah, we'll figure it out, Eli.
4: Yeah, um, just like Jen said, you can find me and her and Zach Jacobson every Wednesday night at eight forty-five Central, and you can find me on Twitter at Book of Eli underscore NFL. You can find my writing at PackerReport.com and make sure to uh, check out my YouTube page at Eli Berkovitz and uh, subscribe there. Always putting up some good Packers content over there. And like Jen said, if you have not yet watched our interview with Randall Cobb, I highly suggest uh, doing that uh, over on Game on Wisconsin. You could find that on YouTube or Twitter. Uh, yeah, just a fantastic time with an incredible person that I think any Packer fan and really any football fan would enjoy. So check that out.
2: Cool. Uh, I am on Twitter as well at DK all the way. You could find me and all my stuff over there. Uh, every Wednesday on game on Wisconsin, I'm with Jimmy Christensen and Todd Varney on Lombardi's bar. Uh, we also had a, a great Packer interview this past week as well with Kenny Clark coming back on the show. Um, he had a lot of great insight, I think especially some great insight into the changes on this defense this year and talking about that. Uh, and we've also taken it up as a mantle to guarantee that he gets into the Pro Bowl this year. So if you have not taken a chance yet, take a chance now to go vote for Kenny Clark and all of the Green Bay Packers, Randall Cobb, Aaron Rodgers, Corey Bajorquez, everyone, into the Pro Football. I was almost said the Pro Football Hall of Fame. The Pro Bowl. That's <laughs> the Pro Bowl. Get them into everywhere. They make enough Pro Bowls to make it into the Hall of Fame. But, uh, yeah, get the votes in for the, the Pro Bowl for all those guys. Uh, you can also catch my writings on uh, Game on Wisconsin's website every Friday on The Leap, my article over there. And, yeah, make sure, of course, that you are following pack Podcast on Twitter, at pack Podcast. Subscribe on the YouTube channel where Andy and the rest of our crew does some amazing video work as well, daily YouTube videos. the youtube channel so make sure you subscribe on both of those leave a review leave a rating it helps us out a ton let your fam your family and friends that are packer fans know about us so we get more people listening and uh you know just keep this thing growing uh like like jen said though hope you enjoy your thanksgiving i hope you're like me where you will you can appreciate the the absolute crap show that is tim boyle andy dalton bears lions on a thanksgiving and just enjoy Thanksgiving. Enjoy being with some family. Hopefully, you can do it safely. Hopefully, uh, you know, it's, it, 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 you can appreciate this holiday after what we've been through. I hope it's a little bit of semblance of normalcy back into our lives again after, uh, after a really tough couple of, uh, well, not couple, several months in a row here now. Um, but for Eli, for Jen, Dan Connick saying thank you again. We'll see you after the bye week. And as always, stay safe and go pack go.
3: Go Paco.